Today, we're watching Star Trek The Next Generation. When the Enterprise loses all motion control, they find themselves being pulled toward a cosmic string by a cloud of two-dimensional life forms. How could it get worse? How about Deanna losing her empathic powers? From December 29th, 1990, it's season four, episode 10, The Loss, or those aliens aren't the only thing that's a little two-dimensional. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Cam, that's Dan, and this is our first real Deanna story. Sure is. It's really a thing. I I always look forward to this episode just because it is a tour de force for Marina Sirtis, and she does a remarkable job. I think she's fantastic. She goes through the five stages of grief, and <laughs> our gal Guinan comes back. You know I love me a Guinan episode. <laughs> always. Every time. Always. And not just one scene, but two. Twice the Guinan. One, two, three times the gun. All righty. Well, here's the thing. On Stardate 44356.9, while traveling through deep space, the Enterprise stops to investigate an odd phenomenon of phantom sensor readings. <gasps> do, 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 do. They were unsure. Meanwhile, <laughs> our dear ship's counselor, Deanna Troy, experiences pain and loses consciousness in her office as her empathic abilities suddenly cease to work. The crew discovers that they cannot resume course, as the Enterprise is caught up in a group of two-dimensional life forms, with some amazing renderings for 1991. Without her powers, Troy suffers a tremendous sense of loss and goes through several classic psychological stages, denial, fear, anger, etc. Bargaining! Yeah! Ultimately, despite the reassurances of her friends, she resigns as ship's counselor, believing that without her empathic abilities, she cannot perform her duties properly. Commander Data and Commander Riker determine that two-dimensional creatures are heading to a cosmic string, with the Enterprise in tow, and once they reach the string, the ship will be torn apart. Realizing that Troy's loss and the ship's predicament are somehow linked, Captain Picard pleads with her to try and communicate with the strange creatures. After attempting to warn the creatures of a danger posed by a cosmic string, Troy posits that they are seeking out the cosmic string in a way a moth is drawn to a flame. Working from this hypothesis, Data simulates the vibrations of a cosmic string, which was pretty banging, using the deflector disc as a giant fucking subwoofer. And... <laughs> Let's crank the bass up on this bitch. That's everything you could hope for. It's so good. Data simulates the vibration of the cosmic string using the deflector dish at a position well behind the Enterprise. The simulations eventually cause the creatures to briefly reverse their course, breaking the momentum long enough for the Enterprise to break free. Wait, what? <laughs> sure. So say the two-dimensional creatures. <laughs> oh, and after they are freed from the two-dimensional creatures' influence... Troy's empathic abilities are restored. She discovers that her powers were never lost, but instead were overwhelmed by the two-dimensional creature's strong emotions. 
because they were returning home, which was a lovely sentiment. Troy returns to her old job with a renewed confidence, and so ends the loss. I didn't mention the B-plot much because I want to talk about it. Okay. I, I didn't want to nitpick or critique and be like, Cameron. Yes, you did. But that, but that exactly one random person whose uh, husband died six months ago, we got to talk about her. Random person. I'm really invested in her. <laughs> I mean, I'm always invested in a lost storyline. Don't know about you, but... Well, as you know, Cameron, I've never lost anything because I don't care about anything. <laughs> you're 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 assuming that there's emotions within this shell of a of a husk. Where the hell did season two of TOS Dan come from? Season one, Cameron. Season one. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right. You were already deeply invested and by season 2020 two. Happened. <laughs> Boy, did it. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Speaking of that, I actually thought that Kim Braden did a remarkable job. I mean, it is nice to see <laughs> season four introduces a whole bunch of shit that has apparently already existed in the Star Trek universe. But it's nice to be able to see things that, uh, you know, it's nice to be able to see things that we know about expanded, like Counselor Troy doing her job. That's something that the writers hadn't thought much about. Clearly. <laughs> but she's she's a good counselor. And I mean, she brings up some really great points when she's talking with Guinan. And I I thoroughly enjoyed all of that. But I want to hear what you loved about this episode, Daniel. Give it to me. This episode, in a lot of ways, was the opposite of 2020. In that when it started, I wasn't hopeful at all. And it pleasantly surprised me. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, yeah, I think there there's some strong moments here. I appreciate watching a, a member of the crew in crisis, in legitimate crisis, and having your powers taken away like that would be traumatic. We've seen how many you know X Men stories where an X Men loses their powers and they're basically suicidal. It sucks. Yep. It's hard. Our dear Marina Certes has. A lot of presence in a character that is grossly underwritten and not given much to do. She still feels very comfortable in the role. She does a nice job. I think that I I enjoyed seeing her in conflict with Riker in in like a real way, not just in like fun little barbs that are like coded wink wink, we used to fuck kind of playfulness. Like instead we got to see an actual like get out. Leave me alone. Is Monty my ass? You know, <laughs> don't don't come in here dropping his monies on me. Get the fuck out. <laughs> Truly, right? Like if if somebody lopped this is like if somebody lopped off Riker's dick, he'd be inconsolable. You know, he would be inconsolable because mm-hmm. that's his superpower. Let's be honest, or damaged his face. Mm, yeah, that's true. Ugh, the face or the penis? The face or the penis? Probably the face. That'd be the that'd be the bigger loss. I mean, the okay. uniforms were stretch. It's hard to say which is the bigger loss. Well, I mean, all I got to say is if if his face got fucked up, the Enterprise would definitely be down some seating. 
Sensor ghosts. Ooh, spooky. Ooh. I, I, I kind of liked how this played out as like, oh, this will be a fun little science experiment. And then it turned into a whole bag full of nope. <laughs> Picard was like, oh, actually, these creatures we've never seen before that I thought were so cute and fun little mitochondria type things are going to fucking kill us. <laughs> Who knew? It's usually such low stakes every day on this ship. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty chill. Right? As soon as he was like, let's see where this goes, I was like, oh, buddy, no. <laughs> don't act like a, I mean, don't act like a sh- guy on shore leave. Come on. <laughs> at heart, he's a scientist, and we all know that that's what scientists do is say, let's see where this goes. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, which is why you always want to date a scientist. They're adventurous. <laughs> mm, indeed. Um. The the idea that the warp field could just collapse because they're in a swarm of creatures they've never encountered before was fun. It was nice to see the ship stranded and them having to think it through and work their way out. And Deanna actually like applying what she does to a an alien social structure, like looking at group psychology, which is something she doesn't do as much. I think she definitely focuses on oh, this one person we're dealing with. And it's usually like, I sense no de- deceit or I sense that he's up to something and everyone else is like, yeah, no fucking shit. <laughs> but in this case, her actual training and thinking things through and just working on strategy, I, I saw more value in her than I had seen previously. Absolutely. In, Putting that goddamn that master's degree capacity. to use. Yeah, right? <laughs> She's like... <laughs> Six years of school, two internships, and what am I doing here? I'm telling them, yep, the Ferengi's a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Once again, I'm sensing bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I mean, as we heard from the episode, Ferengi and Breen can't be read by by Vatisoids due to their brain structure. Quadrilobals. Yep. Them sweet, uh, sweet lobes. <laughs> they're utterly ridiculous head shape. Um, uh, the cosmic string. Well, well, we'll we'll get to that because what the fuck was that supposed to be? Um, but I did. I liked the it was ending. A cosmic gash, Dan. It was a cosmic gash. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> uh, and while we'll get to the the bad with her actually giving one-on-one counseling, I uh, I did appreciate at least seeing her do that, even if I have issues with it. I'm like, oh, yeah, she she does do stuff besides hang out on the bridge and wait for them to encounter something and then go, oh, oh, they're feeling <laughs> gassy. Weird. <laughs> he feels embarrassed because he just farted in front of his first officer. Now is the time to negotiate Picard. <laughs> I mean, that would be so handy. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> he feels inadequate sexually. Riker, you should negotiate. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That would that would make him even more turned off mm. or turned on. Who knows? Yeah. That could go either way. Yeah, right. <laughs> negotiate with me, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Who can say? Cameron, what did you love about this episode? I loved an entirely Deanna-focused episode. I thought it was a long time coming. And I do love how it rounds out her character and how it shows her relationship 
with the other members of this crew. And, like, you know, how very realistically that grief can make us be assholes and do terrible things to the people that we love and just be a big old dick because everything is awful and nothing makes sense. So I thoroughly enjoyed that aspect of this episode, and I I enjoyed all of the interactions, especially... Deanna and Riker, and especially Deanna and Guinan, but also Deanna and Beverly. It was pretty exceptional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meow. Therapists make the worst patients, except for doctors, of course. Except for doctors and my mother. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's a doctor, right? The internet told her she was. No, she's not one of those, actually, which is well, that's good. nice. Thank God. We all have all of our vaccinations. <laughs> Everybody's vaccinated. Woo! Anything else? I I mean I just I actually really enjoy the structure as well and I found I enjoy the ideas of anomalies in space that there's just we come across things that's always like wow it's what like, the fuck what is the this fuck? We've, we've never seen that before <clears throat> I mean it might just be because Neowise is in the area and I love that comet so much it makes me feel connected to the cosmic which I haven't felt in a long time and when you know things are so shitty down here it's nice to remember that in the cosmic th- scheme of things this is absolute nothingness well when the moon is in the seventh house and jupiter aligns with mars then, then peace, peace will, will guide the planets planet. and love will fill the stars i thought love steered the stars it probably does steer the stars i don't know you were in that show i wasn't i know Much... i just usually dance naked to it yeah! <laughs> Fucking dick dance! Oh, but it wasn't all... <laughs> Was it? <laughs> no. Um, but it wasn't all Ismani bitch slaps, was it, Cameron? <laughs> it was not Ismani bitch slaps, that's for sure. <laughs> bitch? <laughs> Mm-mm. What didn't you like about this episode? I mean, I want you to know I have my Cameron Bingo card ready. I think I do. I, you? I, I have it. I have a guess. <laughs> I want to hear your guess. <laughs> no, you got to say first. <laughs> I mean, the things that I didn't like were small. I forgot to mention that I really loved. I mean, I mentioned it in my summary, but I really did love the graphics. However, I really liked the structure and that you know it started slow and got quicker and quicker and quicker and both plots kept getting more stressful and more high stakes driven. But it felt like it took them a long time to discover what the fuck was actually happening. Yeah. And also, I know how incredibly hard it is to portray accurately counseling sessions because they are so incredibly unique and individualistic that in order to convey what's actually happening, it just often seems shallow. But at the same time, you know, I appreciated most of all that she said counseling is about getting people to talk about what they don't want to talk about. I guess I had a, a lot of love-hate relationships with that plot point. It's not anything other than it's something that I experience and deal with every day, losing, losing a loved one, losing someone who is instrumental to my life. And there was a time where I was trying to do exactly the same thing and pretend like everything was fine. It's not that big of a deal. I'll be fine. The world is fine. And it was just so complicated. 
and it's still so complicated. It's just very 90s feeling in that it's the way Riker says... <laughs> he snaps her out of it, but the way that he does it is really gross. Did you find the counseling sessions while realistic in the setup, like the first one of like having someone say, I'm fine, it's okay, whatever. The payoff of the like deconstruction when she does finally like kind of break through, but then shuts down again, but then opens up again just to say, no, it really did work and you were right. Did that just... To me, that felt a little insincere. And a l- it, f- it felt incredibly insincere. And super fucking rushed. I'm like, it's one thing if you want to have a breakthrough, be your B plot, but maybe it's just that person can't over and over again like deal with their grief, and then finally they do. And she's like, oh, I am a good counselor. I got them to a breakthrough. That's awesome. Rather than like... The breakthrough happens in the first scene, and then it's like, nope, just kidding. And then she's like, no, no, it really was a breakthrough. I, I was kidding the second time. <laughs> it, it just was really uneven. In like, It was really uneven. The first scene felt like it should have been the last scene between them. Absolutely. And it's that's my problem with it, is it's, it's an incredibly complicated situation. And what they were trying to convey... I get it. They were trying to rush a nine-month to nine-year process of dealing with loss, and it sucks. But at the same time, they couldn't have actually portrayed it like it actually goes, because that would be boring, terrible, traumatic television. It's the 90s thing, you know, where everything was... I call it the friends lens, where everything... It seems like these people are struggling, but they're still all basically... They're still pretty much okay. Yeah. But still got to have the TV veneer. Yes. And in this case, it's, you know, a futurist utopia. I can I can accept a certain amount of that. On something like Friends, it's like, bitch, you are not poor. You have a different outfit on every day. You're not struggling. <laughs> We've never seen you wear the same thing twice. Uh-huh. Not ever. If they'd had an episode where she, like, had to do chores around the house in order to pay off her portion of the... Uh, power bill to Monica, then I would have been like, oh, okay. <laughs> yep, no, for realsies. And it's just, I mean, along the same friends line, it's very straight-centric, it's very white, waspy-centric, and it's, I got the grief. I got Troy's, I got Troy's grieving process, but it just, the way Riker especially treated her also seemed very ableist. Ah, ding, 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 ding. That was my bingo card. Cameron's going to say it? the word ableist. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> but yeah, it was. I mean, it was just very 90s. Lots I'm a of people white lead, man. lead really fulfilling lives who can't read other people's emotions. <laughs> well, yes, but that's not. Shut it's up. It's not the same. <laughs> oh, you're on the same level as us. Wow, what a dick thing to say. <laughs> You're just so very aristocratic. I'm like, don't neg her. Just stop it. Her mother is the holder of the sacred chalice of Rick's. That's important. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure. Is the sacred chalice of Rick's just a euphemism for her vagina? Maybe. It's a dusty more like old the, chalice. So. More like the sacred chalice of dicks. <laughs> sacred chalice of dicks. Cameron, I I think that this episode was really trying and just kind of misses the mark a little bit. And let's Deanna verge into, I don't think her reactions are hysterical, 
but they set her up with the crew's reactions to make her seem hysterical. Yeah. What do you mean by that? I'm doing the best I can. And they're all like, uh, wasn't a talking about you nobody was talking about you and then she storms off and i'm like oh don't have her storm off have her like say, i mean sorry oh i guess i'm sorry i miss i misinterpreted like don't people should just... storm off in adult professional relationships <laughs> i mean i have I know, but they shouldn't is what I'm saying. And we need to talk about it, Cameron. I'm still holding that board meeting. <laughs> I told them, give me an hour to record it's a podcast still with happening. him. We'll get him back on the Zoom call. <laughs> no, I mean, like, when I was dealing freshly with my dad's death, I did all kinds of things that I would never normally do because I was just so unstable. Everything about me was unstable. And I just... I mean, it might have been written in a way that was misogynistic and stupid, but I identified with it deeply. And I identified, it just, everything feels like, when you're in that fragile of a state, everything feels like an attack. And I mean, you know, it would have been better if it hadn't been Deanna who was going through these things when they made someone storm off emotionally. That would have been much better. But I get it. I understand. But (laughs) what did you hate, Dan? Besides what we've been talking about. So obviously, yeah, the the therapy needed to be a little more nuanced and well-developed. And I think the scene should have been reordered to make it make more sense and work as like what therapy kind of is. But it's the 90s. They're not good at anything, really. At anything, really. Um, But uh, (laughs) I really hated the music box. There's no context. We have no idea. Like, I told them to get rid of all of his things. And Deanna's like, oh, wait. I have a secret compartment where I put something that belonged to your husband, which is super fucking weird and a gross misstep. Like if you're if your therapist shows up to your your estate sale after your spouse has died and is like, I'll take this and this and then just holds on to them and springs that on you in therapy. You need a different therapist because that's weird and like a gross misstep in professional conduct. I was like, oh, yeah, you're not a great therapist. You shouldn't have done that. That's not cool. But also, what is with music boxes in this fucking show? Didn't one drive Deanna insane last season? Yep. Like, am, music am boxes I just, and caves. Did, Everyone has their thing. Misremembering, but. Do, were music boxes a big thing? Did they used to be a big thing? I I, I remember them being Absolutely. around, but it was like a jewelry box that, that makes noise. Okay, fine, whatever. But I, they've clearly gone the way of the dodo. They're really not a thing anymore, as far as I I know. I could be totally wrong. Oh, they are in Hallmark stores, Daniel. And you know, I haven't set foot in a Hallmark <laughs> store. Uh, you know, I. I detest tchotchkes, so I have no need for a Hallmark store. But yeah, music boxes. What the actual fuck is up with this? Like, Well, I mean, do you... My husband's music box. What? It was a thing in the 90s. It really was. Like, so many of the movies that came out, specifically the one that's jumping out at me is Anastasia. It was the key to her length of her past. Sure. And Anastasia takes place in, you know... The 19th century, late 19th, early 20th century, when music boxes made more sense. I had a snow globe that was a music box, and I also had a, um, I inherited my uncle's, he had a fiber optic 
magical plant flower that was also a music box. I don't know if either of those are music boxes. I think a music box, you have to open it up and it goes, right? I think those have just like a wind-up thing. Am I understanding right? I mean, I guess technically you were correct, but I always identified them as music boxes because the sound is the same. Sure, it's those. It's, it's the little know, plinky plink deals. Um, yeah, the little plinky plink deals. Those little plinky plinks. I just, I have a hard time believing that in the 24th century, music boxes are still such a thing. It's just not great futurist writing to be like, you know, what's going to stand the test of time? Music, music boxes. boxes. Sounds like Harold Hill. Step right up. I got your music boxes. Music boxes. Last forever. <laughs> and they do. You just have to wind the spring once in a while, Daniel. A family air room that's also entertainment. <laughs> and it'll keep your kids off drugs. Music box. Music box. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't keep me off drugs. But the that's music okay. box man. In fact, that's where you would store your drugs, is in a music <laughs> box. Absolutely. Then it sings to you right before you drop acid. Mm-hmm. Yep, you open it up and it goes, I had a dream there were coke in my nostrils, coke in my nostrils. <laughs> I'm so high. <laughs> I probably think this song makes sense now. I'm so high. I'm so high. Yeah, so the music music boxes are dumb, and I'm sick of them using them because they're stupid, and I hate it. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, I also hated Guinan's hat. I'm sorry. <laughs> was, oh, I was like, no. I, loved, I, I was like, Guinan. Oh, Guinan, no. <laughs> Man. All her hats have been so good. Most of them, yeah. This one, I was like, I don't, mm, I don't, uh, I'm like, I feel like you were halfway between the Zoot Suit riots and like um, Sunset Boulevard with the head, the head cover. The, the head, turban. The little <laughs> turban, yes. It was just off-putting. Um, you there, <laughs> why are you so late? <laughs> Oh, I, I would love to see Whoopi Goldberg in Sunset Boulevard. Oh God, I don't be, think that'd she be can magical. sing the part, but um, well, nobody can sing the part. Yeah, it's it was written by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Mm-hmm. It's like this is for one type of person, and they're the person I like to fuck. You, <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, sorry, I can only write for women I want to bone. <laughs> You're gross. I know. I'm Andrew Lloyd Webber. Not just, not just sir, but Lord Lloyd Webber. Uh, Lord Lloyd Webber is just a weird mouthful. That's like, it sounds like a tongue twister that you would say in theater school. Mm-hmm. Lord, Lloyd Lord Lloyd Webber. Lord Lloyd Webber. Lord Lloyd Webber. Lord Unique New York. Lord Lloyd Webber. <laughs> What else did you hate besides the music box? Oh, her and... terrible on the nose. I feel 2D comment to data when they were trying to figure stuff out. When she's like, I can't help. I Nothing makes sense. I was just like, boo. I know, but don't make that bad 2D comment. I feel two-dimensional. Yeah, you're <laughs> acting a little two-dimensional, Deanna. Um, don't blame her. Blame Hillary J. Bader, Alan J. Adler, and Vanessa Green. Wow, way to throw the writers under the bus. I'm not, I'm not... I mean, they wrote the line. <laughs> well, I think I can blame the fictional character, can't we? Um, no. Oh. No. All right. 
I also hate it when she's like, I'd really rather be alone right now. And Riker goes, too bad. <laughs> like, yeah. Number one, you're her superior officer. And number two, your exes. If she says, leave me alone, you should do that. It's true. I also didn't like how he tried to kiss her. That was weird. Yeah. Although I, I want them to kiss. Also, when he was like, I'll be right back, he like brushed her collarbone, which I was like, great move, by the way. Going to use it with my wife. But not not appropriate, <laughs> dude. Not appro- I was like, can you ever stop trying to fuck everyone? No, he can't. Uh, it's a, a disease. Flaw. It's a disease. It is. You know what's not a disease? What, Dan? These quotes. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's the Daniel Crary Show, everybody. Here's exactly what we were talking about. Well, then you, you be Riker. That'll make it easier. Okay. Um, Riker takes Troy in his arms to console her. Is this how you handle all your personnel problems? Sure. You'd be surprised how far a hug goes with Jordy. Or Worf. I knew he'd fucked both of them. <laughs> Absolutely. And he's not wrong. I bet Worf loves a hug. Mm-hmm. Mr. Data, what velocity would put us back on schedule? A resumption of our present course at warp 6 will place us in the Till-Beta system in 6 days, 13 hours, 47 minutes. What? No seconds? I have discovered, sir, a certain level of impatience when I calculate a lengthy time interval to the nearest second. However, if you wish... No, no. Minutes is fine. i i loved that exchange yeah me too all right beverly lay it on me if you were anyone else you know the first thing i'd do i'd send you to counselor troy well then i have an advantage don't i i see her quite often you have no idea how frightening it is to to just be here without sensing you without sharing your feelings that's it isn't it we're on equal footing now what? You always had an advantage, a little bit of control of every situation. That must have been a very safe position to be in. To be honest, I'd always thought there was something a little too aristocratic about your betazoid heritage, as if your human side wasn't quite good enough for you. That isn't true. Isn't it? No, it's not. You're just being an asshole, Will. Yep. God. Big old gaping asshole. Mm-hmm. But my favorite line, therapists are often the worst patients. Except for doctors, of course. (laughs) (laughs) How do you people live like this? We get by pretty well, actually. And so will you, in time. You have no idea. No idea what this is like. How can you know what it's like to lose something you never had? I mean, Dr. Crusher's advice is pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) People come to talk to you about things they want to reveal. As ship's counselor, you have to get them to talk about things they don't want to reveal. Right now, I feel as two-dimensional as our friends out there in the universe, but barely aware of it, just trying to survive on instinct. (laughs) Trash. Oh, she does have a name. An- Ensign Janet Brooks. Yep. Maybe you couldn't sense what I was feeling, but you helped. I never fully appreciated how difficult and how rewarding it is to be human. 
but I had a lot of help. What did we learn on today's episode, kids? Uh, <laughs> it just reminds me of Animaniacs, the end of an episode where they go, Wheel of Morality, turn, turn, turn. Tell us the lesson that we <laughs> that should we learn. We should learn. And then they just pull out a random card with some bullshit advice and then they shit yeah, all no, over it. It's my favorite. Amazing. I am so fucking excited for that revival. <sighs> Can't get here fast enough. Anyways, this is her speaking about the two dimensional beings as they get to the, the gaping space gash. <laughs> it's all right. They're home. We were wrong. The cosmic string was never dangerous to them. It was the one place in the galaxy they most wanted to be. Deanna? Yes. I sensed it. <laughs> there was a lot of on-the-nose dialogue. Oh, so, so, sure. oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I said it wasn't a disease, but it was definitely like a light cough. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for making me face my other half. Frightening, wasn't it? A little. You were right, though. There is something to be learned when you're not in control of every situation. Welcome to the human race. All right, don't gloat too much, you fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, next time you call me aristocratic... I will cut your dick off. <laughs> That's actually how the sacred chalice of Rick's works. Shink. It, <laughs> it works on X's dicks. <laughs> sacred chalice of dicks. <laughs> I get so tired of people coming in here with their problems. They come in and they want a shoulder to cry on. And generally, it turns out to be mine. You'd make a good counselor. I think so, too. So I'm going to talk to Picard about it. About what? Becoming counselor? Well, yes. You are leaving. That means there won't be a counselor on board. And I suppose I'll have a very long line at that bar. It would be nice to have a nice office, too. <laughs> Acha-cha! Guinan waggles her cigar. <laughs> Human intuition and instinct are not always right. But they do make life interesting. So I'm discovering. <laughs> now you can do your wah, 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 wah. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. <laughs> uh, yep. On a very special episode of Star Trek. The Star Next Trek Generation. The Next Generation. <laughs> which is my favorite clone high bit. Which is also getting a goddamn revival. I know. It's about time. Uh, Lloyd and Miller have had enough success for the last several years. I, I bet they'll I get know. the original voice cast too, because what else are they going to do? They're stuck in their homes. <laughs> <laughs> I think Will Forte has already signed on, but I adore that show. Although I don't remember who played Gandhi, but it's probably problematic now. <laughs> probably. <laughs> on a very special episode of Clone High. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Dan, <laughs> how many very special episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation would you give this episode? <laughs> uh, I, I... Uh -huh. <laughs> I guess I'd give it three. <laughs> I was going to give it three and a half, so that's pretty pretty on brand. I mean, 
it there are elements that are problematic, but I guess it just struck me since since I am the way I am. A human being who's experienced loss. Yeah. Ha ha. <laughs> Nothing bad has ever happened to me, and I'm yeah. fine. Just <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my counselor does call me Boat, but I get it. <laughs> Why should she call you Boat? That was your joke, I you know. asshole. <laughs> I know, but I just wanted to hear my words regurgitated back to me. <laughs> the SS Cameron's trauma. <laughs> toot, toot. It's a mega yacht. <laughs> it is a mega yacht. Uh, you're a mega yacht. Thank you. Mm-hmm. At least I am in my pants. Um, Gives new meaning to yacht rock. Cutting all of that. Cameron, we have loved it, hated it, quoted it, and rated it. So that just leaves one last thing to do. We absolutely have. And that's for me to wish you all to not just have a great week, but to make it so. And for Dan to say, keep on trekking. Alrighty, are you ready? Aye, aye, Daniel Captain. <laughs> who lives in a pineapple under the sea? I, I, I don't know anyone who lives under the sea. I wish I did. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> oh, by the way, I everyone who came along on this trip, which was just three other people and myself, is now doing your clouds in my coffee game. Yes. <laughs> Another one that was really fun is to take just the tag on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme song, you know, when they go, turtles in a half shell. So if you have (laughs) another phrase that matches up (laughs) syllabically, super fun, and then you say whatever power. So like, um, Clark was in the backseat of the car and he's like, I'm too wide to fit here. And I'm like, I'm too wide to fit here. Clark, power! <laughs> and Austin goes, I don't love you saying Clark power. <laughs> I was like, yeah. He goes, now nah, anything you say followed by power is just going to sound wrong. Oh, Daniel. Sorry. I know I didn't let enough time go by for you to hear the whole theme song opening in your head, which I always do. I'm like, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I'm sure our listener was just thinking, I'd like an encore of that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did study scat singing extensively in my undergrad, Daniel. Yeah, I was very disappointed in that intro to scat play class myself, but... (laughs) Not what you expected? (laughs) Not even close. This wasn't what I expected either, he said, getting them back on track. Yeah. Here, I'm going to write down, I'm going to write down a word. Where's a pen? Is it butt sex? No. What? And you would never be opposed to that. Or is it the lack no. of butt sex that upsets me? <laughs> trolling Just for butt sex, trolling for, for butt, butt sex. sex and... All right, I can't find a pen. We here at the Matt Generation would like to wish uh, fellow Secret Weapons production producer Adair Rice a happy birthday and a bon voyage. Indeed. Happy, happy birthday and happy bon voyage. Yes. Safe travels from Texas to Washington. And we look forward 
to future transmissions from Seattle. What am I even saying? I don't even like. I don't know. This is why I have a have to have a script, Cameron. I'm terrible at these <laughs> sorts of things. Anyways, be safe on the road. Happy birthday. Be safe. We love you. Happy birthday. Birthday. A Secret Weapon Production.